I'm going to read a passage of scripture this morning from Second uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, for quite some time now, the Lord has been speaking to me about speaking on a very difficult subject, a subject that we don't hear much about in these days, and it is the subject of judgment. Now, yesterday I spoke about God's judgment in the Old Testament, where God judged the world, judged two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and judged an individual, Belshazzar the king. But this morning I want to share with you judgment in the new covenant. There's something we must understand about God, and that is that God is a gracious, loving, giving, merciful God. But he is also the God of justice. And God's justice is righteous justice. It will be a terrible thing if there is no judgment. And so we see judgment throughout the Scriptures. And I want to read this passage of Scripture quickly. It says, but there were also, let me start in verse 4. For God spared, for God did not spare even the angels. When they sinned, he threw them into hell in gloomy caves and darkness until judgment day. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and his family of seven. Noah warned the world, the world of God's righteous judgment. And then God destroyed the whole world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Later he turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into heaps of ashes and swept them off the face of the earth. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. But at the same time, God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a good man who was sick of all the immorality and the wickedness around him. I really believe it is time that some of us get sick and tired of the immorality and the wickedness that is around us. Unfortunately today, the church is lukewarm. That's why that last song was such a great song. We need a fresh move of God's Spirit. Conviction needs to come upon the body of Christ. There's far too much immorality, drug abuse, drunkenness, divorce, all these things that God stands against has unfortunately crept into the church. That's why we need God's Spirit to move, God's Word to be preached, so that we can be challenged and that our lives can be changed. He says, God does not, God judges the ungodly. And he says, Lot was sick of all the immorality. Yes, he was a righteous man who was distressed by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day after day. This man, Lot, was distressed because of the wickedness that he heard day after day after day. And I believe that's the, that should be our attitude. We should come to a place in our lives where we say, listen, we are sick and tired of condoning all this immorality, condoning the things that people are doing and just accepting every excuse that people want to give us. And that's why it's so important this morning that you and I begin to understand that the God who is a God of grace and mercy is also a God of judgment. 
And He'll judge every nation. He'll judge every city. And He'll judge every single individual. No one will escape. What a man sows, that will he also reap. And so there, we, we want to look at a few judgments, and I'll stop when my time is up, even though I don't get through it. We, we look at a few judgments in the New Testament. Uh, this passage is speaking about the Old Covenant, when God's judgment came upon him because they were idolaters, and uh, they were corrupt, and there was violence and wickedness. And, and God came to a place that he was uh, sorry that he had created man. And he brings judgment. But God, before God brings judgment, he always brings a warning. That's a manifestation of his grace and his mercy. He doesn't just bring judgment. He gives us a warning so that we can prepare ourselves so that we can be right with him. So he says, so you see the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while punishing the wicked right up until the day of judgment. And so in the new covenant we see there are a number of judgments. And the first judgment we see is the judgment of our sin. It says in First Peter, He personally, that's Jesus, carried away our sins in His body on the cross. And He says He carried all of our sin in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live and do what is right. There's a reason why Jesus died. He became the supreme sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they used to offer up bulls and goats and sheep on behalf of the people so they can experience the forgiveness of God for a year. Then they would have to do it again. But now we see there's one supreme sacrifice offered up once and for all, for all the sins of the world. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people get offended when you say they are sinners. But the Bible says we're all sinners. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by conduct. And we are sinners by birth. The psalmist says, from my mother's womb was I conceived in sin. You don't take a little child and teach him to steal and teach him to lie and teach him to do what's wrong. He automatically does it because the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's out of the heart of man that proceeds evil thoughts, fornication, murders, lies, and adultery. But the Bible says, but God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So on the cross, Jesus becomes that supreme sacrifice. He takes all the sins of the world upon Himself. Your sin and my sin. And He pays that supreme price with His own life. Now some people say, well, you know what? Jesus paid the price. So I'm free. I'm okay. God will never judge me because I don't have sin. Jesus paid the price. The problem is, it has no effect in your life until you appropriate the work of the cross personally. For example, when your hands are dirty and there's a bar of soap there, nothing's going to happen until you take the soap and wash your hands. And that's exactly how it is. Jesus paid the price in full. He took God's judgment on our behalf so that we don't experience that judgment. 
He paid the price in full. So now when I come, I appropriate the work of Christ on the cross. I say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. Not because I feel like one or I don't feel like one. Because your word says that I'm a sinner and I need to be redeemed. I need to be saved. I need to be cleansed. And you paid the price in full and I received that price in full. I am sorry for all the things that I've done. I, have, I repent of my sin and I'm going to walk in the newness of life. When you do that, you are appropriating that marvelous, glorious, supernatural power of Jesus Christ on the cross, and your life is changed. That's why it says if a man or a woman is in Christ, they become new creatures. All the old things pass away, everything becomes new. Pope, that's what we've got to understand. We've got to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. The gospel is not a message that is propagated so that we can become religious. Or that we can become churchgoers. That gospel is propagated in the power of God's spirit. So that our lives can be changed. And our minds can be transformed and renewed. And that we can become those new creatures. So the very first judgment we see under the new covenant. Is the judgment on Christ for our sins. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So that we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God in Him. This morning, those of you that have come to Jesus and you've responded to the gospel message and you've received Him as your Lord and Savior, you can stand this morning in the presence of a holy God justified, meaning just as if you have never sinned because you have appropriated that supernatural work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing that he came. No greater friend and man than this, than the man who laid down his life for his friends. Jesus paid the price in full. Now our sins are forgiven. Does it mean that we can now sin? No, Paul says, God forbid. But we do sin as believers. As Christians, we have been washed clean, we've been changed, but we still sin. And, and John says, listen, if you say there's no sin in you, you're not telling the truth. And if you say you don't sin, you're making him a liar. So as Christians, we still sin, but we no longer willfully sin. We don't willfully sin. The things we used to do, we do no more. And so now how do I go in the Christian life? How do I live the life that God requires from me? The second judgment we see in the New Testament is the judgment of the believer's self. I have to judge myself continuously in the light of God's Word. As I read God's Word and as I hear God's Word, I judge my own standing before God. I judge my walk with God. I judge my attitude before God. And I judge if I am walking in that straight and that narrow path. So I judge myself. That's why it says when you break bread, let everyone examine himself. Folk, listen, you've got to hear me this morning. There are Christians that get mad with some people in the church and go and sit in another church. That's not right. God is not pleased with that. You cannot do those kind of things. You have to make right with one another. And you have to take your life and look in the Word of God and you have to judge yourself so that you can be a pleasing vessel 
to the Lord. The Bible is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You see, I don't judge myself by what you say about me. I don't judge myself by what people think about me. I judge myself in the light of God's Word. That's how I stay in the perfect will of God because I am continuously judging my attitudes, my behavior, and all these things that are in my life, my temptations that I experience. I judge it in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit gives me the power and the authority to overcome all the temptation and the things that come my way. Why is it in the church that we're sitting with people with the same problems for years? They're still taking drugs. They say, oh, praise Jesus, hallelujah. And they're still taking drugs. They're still drinking and getting drunk. They're still beating their wives. Year after year after year. And so the church gets very clever, and we get a bunch of counselors, and we begin to counsel them. And you know what we're doing? We're wasting our time on the fruit. And the problem is the root. That's why Jesus was very clear. He said, repent. Or perish. Nothing in between. The problem is why people don't get the victory, don't overcome, run to this person, that person, that counseling session to overcome their addictions and stuff is because they've not dealt with the root. And that root is we need to repent of our sin. So I judge myself. The problem is too many people play the blame game. We're forever blaming other people for our attitude and for our behavior. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden when God came. He said, Adam, what did you do? He said, it wasn't me, it was the woman you gave me. So it's the woman's fault and your fault. And so God goes to the woman, he says, why, why did you do this? He said, it wasn't me, it was the snake. So God goes to the snake and he didn't have a foot to stand on. But we pass the buck, don't we? I got saved, and I was shortly saved, and I still a very rough diamond. And I met an old friend of myself, and we were driving in his car. And he used to be a Christian, but now he was completely black-slidden. And so while he's driving the car, tears running down his eyes, he said, you'll never understand how much I love Jesus. I said, well, you know what? I'm just from the streets. I've just been saved, and you know it. But that doesn't add up to me. You see, if I say I'm in love with somebody, I want to be with them. I, I want to fulfill their wishes. And, and here you are, you're drinking, you're doing all kinds of stuff, and you tell me you love Jesus. Surely if you love Jesus, it's going to have a dynamic impact upon your life. Anyway, he says to me, uh, yes, but you know what? One day, when I stand before the Lord, I will tell him why I had such an attitude about the church and about Christians and so on. I will tell the Lord about the people who did harm in my life. You know, God gave me a word of knowledge. I said to him, no, my friend, you won't. You see, the Bible says when we stand before him one day, we'll be speechless. Speechless. You see? So you've got to judge yourself. If you don't, then God will chastise you. God will chastise us. And so uh, I don't try to live a life to please other people. I don't try to get into bondage of legalism uh, by people who go around and always telling people what to do right now. I guide my life by the Word of God. God's Word is the light of my path. And so I read God's Word and I'm continuously 
judging myself because I know I'm not perfect and I know just like that I can do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing or have the wrong attitude. And so instead of running about saying, I've got a problem, I've got this, that, and I deal with it. And the way I deal with it, I judge myself in the light of God's Word. You know what? There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. So once you're in Christ, there's no more condemnation. That's why John 3.16 says, Jesus, God gave Jesus for us. But further on it says, if you believe not, you're condemned already. So there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Jesus was judged for our sin. Now we judge ourselves. Then there's a third judgment he speaks about. In Corinthians, he says, we must all, speaking to the church, we must all appear at the judgment seat of Christ. When we die, when Jesus comes, some people will be dead. They will be resurrected. Some will be alive and they will be changed. But together, the church will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And from there, we're going to the judgment seat of Christ. Every born-again believer, every Christian, will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Not to be condemned. Because that judgment seat is not a place where He's going to judge us, but where He's going to reward us. It's a rostrum. God is going to reward us. This is, this is, this is the amazing thing about God. God owes us nothing. God owes us absolutely nothing, yet He loved us so much. He gives us His Son so that we can experience forgiveness and come into a living relationship with Him. He's doing us the favor. And yet He still said, don't worry. You live right. You do what I've told you to do. Down the road, you'll stand at my judgment seat, and I'm going to reward you. There are going to be crowns handed out. One of the, one of the crowns is called the crown of rejoicing. And the crown of rejoicing is going to be given to the soul winner. The soul winner. There's the crown of righteousness, several crowns. So the judgment seat of Christ, we're all going to be there. And God is going to open the books and He's going to see what you and I did here on this earth in our bodies. Were we just people that say, I love Jesus? Or were we people that prove that our faith is active? Were we witnesses? Did we live right? Did we do right? Did we do the things God wants us to do? Did we please God? Because if we do, we're going to be rewarded. Why do you think, he says, uh, the tears will be wiped away there? Because some people are going to weep because they're going to receive no reward. So there, there's the judgment of Christ on the cross for our sins. There's the judgment where you and I judge ourselves. And then there's also the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus when we all stand before Jesus. And my friend, there's going to be no excuses. And it's not a judgment where he's going to say, okay, you go, you, you lost and you go, no, 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 he's going to reward us. So the judgment seat of Christ is not a thing to fear if we are obeying the word of God and walking in the will of God, but it is a thing to rejoice about, to be glad about, because one day Jesus is going to reward us for the lives that we've lived here on earth. Then the Bible speaks about another judgment. I'm going through it quickly. It speaks about the judgment of the Jews. You, you see, folk, judgment is absolutely necessary. Uh, people think they can get away with things. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, because God does not execute judgment speedily, the heart of man is set to do evil continually. In other words, every time we do something wrong and God zaps us, we'll stop. But God doesn't do that. And we see, hey, I never, got, I, I never got punished. I'm okay. So our hearts continually do what's evil. 
So judgment is absolutely, it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Why in our country, when, you, when you've been harmed, or your family's been harmed, you cry out for justice? And yet when we get to the Word of God, people don't want to hear about judgment. And yet our God is a God of justice, righteous justice. And so the next, next big judgment we see is the judgment of Israel. He's going to judge the Jews. And let me tell you something, God's hand is upon the Jews. They, they, they are His brethren after the flesh. And if you want to know what's going to happen in the world, you look at the Jews. And whatever happens there will be the signs of the times. So, so He's for the Jews. But the Jews did something terrible. They rejected the Messiah because Jesus came for the Jews. And it was the Jews that rejected Him and, and denied Him as the Messiah. And so because of that, they're going to be judged. The Bible says when Jesus comes back again, the Jews are going to see Him and they're going to see the wounds in His hands and His feet. And they're going to say, where did you get those wounds from? He said, He's going to tell him, I got this in the house of my friends. Speaking about them. So when the Bible speaks about the great judgment, the seven years of great tribulation that's going to come upon the face of this earth, the first three and a half years are birth pangs. The second three and a half years is terrible tribulation, suffering like this world has never known. What is it? It's God's judgment of the Jews. The Jews are going to be judged for what they did to Christ. Then the next judgment we see there's not only the judgment of the Jews, but the judgment of the Gentiles. That is the other nations of the world. How is he going to judge them? After that seven years of tribulation, he's going to judge the Gentile nations, and that judgment is going to be according to what they did during the tribulation to the Jews. That's why Jesus said, now listen to me, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. He's not speaking about the poor. And how many people take those verses of Scripture and they use it concerning the poor? It's got nothing to do with the poor. It's got to do with His brethren in the flesh, the Jews. Because when Jesus told that to disciples, they said, Lord, when did, when, when, when did we feed you? When did we give you to drink? When did we clothe you? He said, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. So when God's judgment comes in those seven years on, on the Jews, and they are suffering under the reign of the Antichrist and the false prophet and the dictator beast who brings great suffering on the Jews, hates them and wants to wipe them off the face of the earth and brings great persecution. There are going to be Gentile nations, nations from all over the world that are going to be compassionate. Some people are going to be compassionate towards the Jew and they're going to feed them and they're going to help them during that great time of suffering. And that's why on those bases, God is going to judge the Gentile nations. After that tribulation, when all those nations stand before Him, He's going to say, all right, this is what you did, you did, you did, you did. You were compassionate towards my people, the Jews, during the great tribulation. You can now enter into the millennium, the thousand years of peace where Christ reigns on earth. And to those of you that did not care, you did not help them, to you into everlasting punishment. That's what's going to happen. So there's the judgment of the Jews and then there's the judgment of the Gentiles. But the, the scripture we also read this morning, not only does the Gentile nation get uh, judged, but also the angels. Right now, the angels that rebelled against God 
are being put in an abyss, abyss, whatever you want to call it. And they are locked up there, it says here, until the day of judgment. All those angels that rebelled with Lucifer against God, and God cast them out and locked them up in the abyss, they are going to appear before God and He's going to judge them. He cast them into the lake of fire for all eternity. And then there's another judgment. It's the last judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. Where God will judge every single person that has rejected the gospel. It will be those that have never given their lives to Christ. Those that are, uh, are, are, are waiting trial now, waiting for that day. They're all going to be judged on that day. Now, I know there are people that say, listen, there's going to be one general judgment at the end. And in that judgment, everybody's going to come together and God's going to divide the sheep and the goats. It's got nothing to do with the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats are going to do with the Gentiles. But every person that's rejected the gospel, doesn't matter how you've lived, if you've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will appear at this judgment. It is the last. It's called the great white throne judgment. Now look what it says. John writes the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, and I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave, the sea and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And whosoever's name was not written or recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You see, we used to sing a song many years ago. When a person comes to Christ and he gets saved, we sing, There's a new name written down in glory. It's a great song. And, and, and the church used to get so excited when people get saved. They used to just spontaneously sing that song and rejoice because they, now this person has come to Christ and his name is written in the book of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as I've searched the scriptures, I don't find any place where God says, the moment you get saved, he writes your name in the book of life. But what I do find, God writes every person's name in the book of life. And only when you reject the gospel and then pass into eternity is your name removed from the book of life. The Bible doesn't say he writes it in, but it takes it out. You see, God is gracious. That, listen, I spoke yesterday about Solomon Gomorrah and the days of Noah. And Billy Graham, at the peak of his ministry, said this. He said, if God does not judge this nation, for the immorality and the things that are going on. He will have to resurrect Solomon and Gomorrah and apologize to them. You see, folk, but you know, uh, I think why God's judgment hasn't come upon us. Listen, we're doing terrible things in this country. And it's not only this country, it's all the countries of the world. We've wandered away from God. We've allowed people from all over the world to bring in their gods, bring in their idols, bring in their pagan religions, and we're getting everything mixed up. We're getting so confused, we don't know whether we're Arthur or Martha. That's true. 
And that's why the, the preaching of the gospel, the truth of God's word, must be with clarity. God is a God of justice. But now, why hasn't God judged us? Why hasn't God brought His judgment upon us when we look at the terrible things? I, I heard it this week about the, the New York mayor. When any, anybody can have an abortion, that's what he wants, without any responsibility whatsoever. It's a shame. Thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of children are being murdered. Violence and corruption from every corner. And it's because our society has wandered away from God. We have no respect for the church, no respect for the man of God, no respect for the Bible. And you would think that God, God will be like He was in the beginning and say judgment. No. You know what the Bible says? It says God is long-suffering. And He would not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why God withholds His hand of judgment. Because he wants to give every person an opportunity to come to him and to make right with him. Folks, there may be some of you this morning for the very first time, you've been confronted with the word of God. Right at this very moment, you know that you're not right with God and you know it's the right thing to do. I'm going to give you the opportunity. There are some of you that have called yourself a Christian, a believer, and you've been going on and on and serving the Lord, but you've never judged yourself in the light of God's Word, and there are terrible things going on in your life. You have attitude towards other people. You have broken relationships. You have bitterness in your heart, and it's all because you're not dealing with the root, which is repentance. Check your life in the, in the light of God's Word so that you can be pleasing to Him. And I close. This world right now desperately needs to see a church that is righteous. A church that lives what it says. A church that is different because there's only one hope. Christ is that hope. I want you to stand with me right now as we close. God is long-suffering. So the judgment I, I spoke to you about this morning, it's a vast topic and I went through it very quickly. But judgment is coming. But your sins have been judged at Calvary. And all that the Lord says, come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can experience forgiveness of sin this morning by appropriating what Christ has accomplished on the cross 2,000 years ago. You don't have to come with excuses and, 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 and any of that kind of stuff. Just come as you are. And God will forgive you. Make you a brand new creature. And then as you begin to live the life, you check yourself in the mirror God's Word. Is there someone here this morning who will raise their hand and say, yes, today I need Jesus in my life. Today, I need to experience the forgiveness of sin. Is there someone in this place this morning who's a believer and you've never judged yourself in the light of God's Word? You're always trying to please people and you're not getting the thing together. But God is going to change you because you're going to judge yourself regularly and not, not, not in a cruel way, in a way that will improve your walk with Him. 
there are some of you that will respond to that. Just raise your hand and let me see. I'm going to pray for you. Is there some folk that will respond to this? Yes, thank you. Someone, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Never given your life to Jesus. Just raise your hand this morning too. I'm going to close with a prayer. And you can pray that prayer with me. I'm not praying on your behalf. I'm just leading you. Today you can be saved and your sins can be forgiven. Thank you, sir. Those of you that raise your hand and those uh, who want to get saved today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess this morning that I'm a sinner. I know that my heart is not right. But I heard that you were judged for my sins. You never did anything wrong. You never sinned, but you took my place because you loved me. And I ask you this morning to forgive me, to cleanse me of my sin, Come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, I appropriate personally this morning the work that you accomplished on the cross. Change me this very moment so that as I walk out this door today, I will be a new creature. All things will pass away. I thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayer. Short and simple that you're touching me right now changing my life to those that said they will judge themselves in the light of God's word stop making excuses for our behavior and continuously look into God's word the mirror so we can see where we are that we can make adjustments so that we can be the people that please God pray that God will help you and as you read the scriptures and you see the areas of your life that need to be corrected, that the Holy Spirit will help you, give you the power to change. Be the man and a woman and a young person that God wants you to be. May God bless you. Amen.